Wait, what am I saying? <laughs> You're listening. Oh. You're, You're listening, listening to. <laughs> You're listening to discourse. 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 From, from from NPR. NPR. Amaranek Public Radio. I am Eli Gottsagen. Our guest today in the studio is Spanish teacher Anna Marina Ruacan. Senora Khan is not a loud individual, but her thoughts and sayings remain in the minds of students for years after they exit her classroom. She is introspective, yet always aware of how her students are reacting and receiving the information presented. Don't let her small stature deceive you. She is wise beyond belief and has energy that can fill a room. Khan is a mother of two boys, ages 13 and 11. Khan has been teaching for years, but was able to write the critically acclaimed novel, La Anemona, during her time here at Mamaronac High School. Khan's wisdom and her way with words is something you don't often witness from a high school language teacher. She has a way of communicating with her students that is unlike anything seen before. She is gentle, yet tough. Expects a lot, but is understanding. Clearly qualities that translate between her teaching and parenting. We brought Khan in to share her experience throughout her years of teaching and to learn about how her family impacted her novel and continues to impact the way she interacts with parents and students alike. She describes her experience leaving her home in Puerto Rico to receive an education at Yale University. Khan continues to write today amidst her wild ride teaching adventure. Whoever thought she would end up where she stands today, Senora Khan cares about her students just as any good mother would. With each word spoken, Khan inspires students like myself to find our passions, explore them, and fall in love with something beautiful. Here's our conversation from Tuesday, October 15th. If you like what you hear, Please hit the subscribe button, and thank you for listening. Um, well, there's a number of factors, but um, I was I was really interested in their literature program, so I studied um, uh, literature. Um, also, I had very positive associations with the college because my uncle had attended, um, and when I was little, um, I you know remember visiting, um, but. Other than that, it was just I was really, really into. I also wanted to study theater, which didn't pan out, but um, and I knew that they had a really good theater program. But it was mostly the literature. But in general, you know, in the early '90s, there were a fair share of Puerto Ricans already attending from the island. I, in my year, there were two other kids uh, who were my friends who were also in the, in the in, at Yale. So it might have changed. I mean, you always get a little bit of like, oh. Uh, do you have TV, uh, you know, <laughs> in the island, or you know, are you, I don't know, are you are you in South America? Like, there are always these questions that'll happen. But most of the kids, uh, I didn't really get a lot of um, situations in which I had to break anyone's perception, or or you know, I, I didn't really feel any. I don't know if you're going for the microaggression thing going on. Um, it was really, you know, it was, I grew up in a fairly rarefied environment where going away to college in the States was fairly normal. Um, so it wasn't it, both on the end of affecting other people's perceptions and on the end of me changing my own perceptions. I didn't really see, I didn't really find that. Uh, there was nothing... You know, and I didn't really have any, um, I don't know, maybe it was a little bit weird. Like, you know, I didn't have any nostalgia or I didn't have any, it was just like pretty seamless from one world to the other. As a child, what did you want to do when you grow up? 
So I I wanted, as a really little kid, I wanted to be a scientist by day and a Broadway actress by night. And then I hit seventh grade and science just it wasn't cutting. I wasn't cutting it. Um, so then I, I, I realized the only thing I did well was read, basically. So I just wanted to keep reading. And then eventually, uh, as a teenager, I really uh, I wanted to write um, and, and read. But then I realized, you know, you have to make a living. So <laughs> that took me to different paths. But I didn't set out to become a teacher. I didn't study education at the beginning or anything like that. So... Did you do theater growing up, mm-hmm. or did you did you do other? So yeah, in high stuff? school I was in in theater. I was also we used to have I guess that you would call it public speaking here. We used to have forensics, mm. but they were it wasn't forensic science. It was you know we'd have these competitions where you would act out. I would write my own pieces and then we'd perform them. And um, but I think that you know being in theater is a, is a is a punishing lifestyle also and. Um, I realized that I am um, a strange combination of, of extrovert and introvert, and I theater. I, it wasn't going to work either. I wasn't going to succeed there. So, yeah. <laughs> what was your first teaching job? I, I was in a PhD program, and I I was studying literature. And as part of the program, you have to teach undergraduates. Um, so I was at Columbia in the city, and I was doing my regular schoolwork, but then I had a class per semester that I would teach, like an intro Spanish 101 class. And I realized that I really liked that um, even more than doing research for the other stuff. Mm. So um, I ended up being one of those all the dissertation cases, you know, that I, I had my master's, but I didn't get to the PhD. So I took a leave of absence toward the end of the program, which did not go over well. Uh, with my family, and um, and I try to figure things out, and then I started. We I moved to another city and was, started doing these tutoring gigs, and eventually ended up in private school, teaching Spanish, and that I just took it from there. And then a few years later, I moved here to Westchester, and I started in public school. What What do you mean it did not go over well with your family? <laughs> well, there was. I mean, the plan was that I was going to get my PhD in literature. And so when I said, no, I'm taking a leave of absence, they're like, you're not going to go back. And I said, oh, yeah, 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 I'll go back. I'll finish it. And I think, you know, it was just, I think that I had always, I had always done what was expected of me. And I think that that kind of didn't go with the rest of me. It didn't fit the the rest of me so but I really you know I really the the, again the expectation was oh you know I'll get the PhD I'll teach in some you know college in Des Moines or something like that and then that'll be it Um, but I really liked I really liked teaching language to your age group so that's how it happened it was really interesting too I I ended up in Boston and I was looking for a job, and I saw that there was this job at this um, uh, modern Orthodox Jewish school in Brookline, and I just applied, and it was it was really interesting because it was a little bit, you know, I went to Catholic school growing up, so it was similar in the sense that there were these rules that you have to follow, but it was kind of weird because it was a completely different environment, and I was teaching Spanish 
like at 6 p.m., you know, because it was a day school wow. and they were in school from 8 to 7. And um, so I learned, I really learned a lot about what it meant to transmit something, but also work within a different cultural environment. It was really cool. Yeah. Okay. So did, has teaching kind of lived up to this like wild ride expectation? That... <laughs> yes, it has. I actually, I think that it's also difficult to explain if you're if, to other people, but I think that I just, I thrive on it. I learn from it. And, you know, I don't think that you can actually learn how to teach. I think that it happens as you're doing it. And I think that it's, it's a craft and it's the moment you stop learning from your students and, 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 and being engaged by what you're teaching, then that's the moment you just got to go. You have to go. Um, somehow I managed to also write. And sometimes it takes, you know, it takes a back seat to other things. My discipline is kind of odd. Some people wake up really early every morning and they do it. I think that I work in spurts. Um, so what happened was that once I, I had kids and I had them pretty close together and it was kind of chaotic as it used, tends to be. And by the time they were a little older, I had this stuff that I had been working on for years and I, that I had just kind of tabled. And I decided that I was going to go for it. And I contacted um, a publishing uh, house in the island in Puerto Rico, where I knew some people. I already had some contacts with writer friends. And I just... Um, I, I submitted the, the, it's a short novel. I submitted it and, and eventually it, it got accepted and we, um, we presented it in the Dominican Republic that year. And eventually the next year, I don't know if you know what the Pen Club is. I'm not sure if it. I'm familiar. It's, um, uh, it's, it's an organization of, of writers and they have these, these awards. So it got, an award in the in the Puerto Rico chapter when I was really happy about that. Um, and then after that, it just, I continued doing it, but most, you know, my readers are in Spanish. So that's always a little odd right. also. Um, but I'm, I'm branching out into English with a, a couple of stories. So we'll see. The, the good thing about writing is that it stays with you your whole life. If you're, if you're doing it and writing fiction, um, is I think without it, I don't I don't think I'd be able to function as a human being. So even though it doesn't show, it's not something that I. It's part of the 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 the, the persona that I am in school. Um, it is, it is me. So it's I'm very grateful that I can do it, and that again, it's not a sport or anything that you have to be young and athletic for. You can keep doing it until you're old and gray. So it's a lifetime. It is a lifetime. By the way, um, Harold Bloom died last night. I think it was last night. I haven't seen it in the news, but it happened. Wow. One of the greatest literary critics. So it's. Um, I think a moment of silence for him would be good. Anyway, he, he was pretty old, but um, he was very influential. You, you write a lot of fiction. But, right. But where, where do these ideas come from? Where, how are you able to build complex characters and, and everything? I had an aunt who was uh, particularly um, rich in terms of... of um, she, I can't explain. She was eccentric, let's say. And she, she was the, the base for the novel. 
Um, and then she kind of appeared in other things. But but uh, it, it was also interesting to me is that once I had that kid, that novel, um, she kind of, I lay her to rest. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's she was a, a key element in, in terms of, of thinking of a character. But um, I think that many of the other sources of inspiration that I have are are actually, I don't know how to explain it, not so much people, but rather um, sensations or impressions of things. So wow. uh, I think that turning that into a story might be a little difficult, um, but yeah, that's what I like to do. It's interesting too, because with social media, I think that that has um, absolutely changed the way people write and view writing. I think that um, the danger, the, the positive thing about it is that you get immediate feedback right away and you can share what you write. You don't have to wait until traditional paper printing of your novel like I did with that one. You can just automatically share your writing. The bad thing is that there's a lot of bad writing out there right. that's that's circulating around in, in media that doesn't get um, edited. and. And then you have the false notion that the feedback means that you're great. So, you know, you can fall into, just like you fall into the notion of, oh, I had a thousand likes to my picture and whatever, on Instagram, you can fall prey to thinking that, you know, I'm, I'm the next, uh, you know, Willem Faulkner, but really, you're not. <laughs> so you have, to, you have to really take that as a... As a Take it with a grain of salt. So it's it's great to have the feedback, um, but it's also it can be I don't know how to explain it misleading. I think it's a great tool, and I think that it's important. I think that the world of publishing is not going anywhere without using the the, the tools of of social media. But at the same time, I think that uh, we lose something if we don't go back to just reading. Just sit down with a book and read it, and read it for you know, a sustained amount of time, not just swiping through the screen. I crave description in what I read. So when I write, it's it's minutely descriptive, which could be perhaps very heavy for some people, but it's what I like. We discussed uh, your passion for reading and your discovery of, of how to, you know, really express yourself as a child. Uh, how does that really play into how your children discover their own passions? Hmm, that's it's a really tough question. I um, I would hope that they're free to discover their own passions, and um, and you know, I, if they're, they're it's a little difficult for them sometimes because I I will push certain I will push them to read certain things, and then they push back. You know, so I've stopped making suggestions that's, about things to read because they want do. they want something else, but um. I think that I really want them to I really want them to find whatever it is that makes them tick. Um so it, you know it doesn't have to be it, they don't have to be stars at anything but they do at the end of the day you have to go home and you have to live with yourself, right? So if you if you do something or you pursue something that fulfills you and it sounds really cheesy but something that really fulfills you it doesn't have to be you don't have to be famous in any way but something that you really love to pursue 
uh, I think that's key. Without it, it, you can't have balance with anything else. So, you know, I they're still young. They're 11 and 13. So I, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I... I think it's important. And I also think it's important to have discipline in whatever it is that you pursue. So again, if you think, oh, I'm writing four or five lines and I'm sending them and my friends like it, eh, it, it your friends like it. But if you really are serious about something, then you have to be disciplined about it. Do they, do they, they're 11 and 13, you mm-hmm. said? Do they take after one another? Uh, they're extremely different. They're oh. the closest people I've ever seen. They, they're like, you know, the world could, fall apart around them and they wouldn't notice because they love hanging out with each other so much, but they're extremely different. Um, and, you know, one is a little bit more, his head up is in, his head's up in the clouds, a little bit more like me, and the other one is much more down to earth. Um, but they're, you know, they're, to me, it's just, the, they're my love, they're my joy. I just, I, you know, parents say that about their kids, but they truly, I look at them and, and seeing that they're their own people it's marvelous to me seeing that they're, it's just, I don't want to get into them. It's just, I, they're the most wonderful thing that ever happened to me. Mm. Um, and I hope that they're happy. And, and what's it like parenting with, with, with two so unique individuals? Mm-hmm. How, how are you able to validate both of them without interfering with their independence? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's it's every day I ask myself, oh God, did I mess it up? But I think it's it's a constant balance between uh, pushing them for to do, you know, pushing them to to be what the best they can be, and at the same time allowing them to be different, um, uh, knowing that they are different from me and from their father, and that they. Um, they live in a society where we, you know, they're they're very scheduled. You know how it is, and they they they're in a school here in New York, and they're they they have all these activities and all these things that their time is constantly taken up by things. But at the same time, I want them to be able to just take a breath and and just read or I don't know do go outside and play. Um, yeah. So it's it's tough. You want them to be independent. And at the same time, you want them to function within society and be responsible for themselves. It's, it's like a really, I don't know if I'm doing it right. I hope I'm doing it right. I just, oof. It's all, and they're already getting older, so they're already following their own path. I think that in front of the classroom, all of those things are going through your mind. You know, am I, am, I, am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Am I having an effect? Am I not having an effect? Uh, and it's the same with parenting. I mean, how many things did I do wrong today? Like, <laughs> so you kind of have to be kind your, with yourself too, so that you don't go overboard um, with the self judging. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's that's kind of the point of it all. <laughs> well, I want to thank you so so much for you. coming here today. Right, if I babbled on. No, I, I mean the thirty minutes flies by okay. really, really wow. quickly okay. chatting with you. Well thank you so much, Eli. It's been very been very kind. <laughs> <laughs>